0: To the Lord mighty hand clap. Let's make our webcast audience feel welcome to Church in the Balcony. So good to have everybody in the house on a Wednesday night. Come out to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Realizing how important times are that we are in the house of the Lord. Uh, just heard this evening that the U.S. has bombed some more places in Syria. And uh, so it looks as if the escalation is going to keep on ramping up. And uh, now a lot of the people are talking uh, terms like World War III. And uh, if there's ever a time that we need to get stirred and need to pray for our country and need to pray for our leaders, it is the day and age we're living in. So let's be in much prayer for all of those who are going to make decisions uh, here within the next little bit of how much... Uh, We're going to retaliate and what that's going to consist of uh, because we know that the Bible says there's wars and rumors of wars. The Bible says that in the last days before the Lord comes back, we're going to see all of this chaos and all of this dangerous, perilous times. Um, I'm really believing that uh, we're living right there to where the Lord could come back at any time. Amen. I think about our children, I think about our children and uh, the age groups of just the little kids, they may not grow up before the Lord comes back, so that's why we need to have them in the house of the Lord, Uh, we need to let them know the love of Jesus, amen. We had a great trip this weekend, it was a long trip, but we had a great trip with Brother Puckett in Lexington and had a great uh, just spirit of the Lord and a great move of the Lord. And got to see some folks from back here that are now live down there. So we got to see them. And then uh, we went down to Brother Steve Thornberry's in Newport, Tennessee. And had a great turnout. His churches are growing, and uh, just having uh, some people added missing pieces is what I call them. Uh, he needed uh, some music. He needed some uh, keyboard player. He needs some singers, and he is starting to get all of that. So I'm thankful unto the Lord for the things that He is doing in Newport, and uh, just looking forward to the Lord. Uh, blessing them with revival just like he's blessing us with revival In fact, we was supposed to have a baptism tonight uh, But uh, because the person that was going to get baptized has COVID uh, We are not able to have the baptism tonight But we'll have it next Sunday So uh, the Lord is moving and we're going to see people get baptized filled with the Holy Ghost We're going to see some folks come in I believe there's a lot of interest right now, a lot of eyes are on this church and on Piteful Church and they're just waiting for that right moment when they can just submit and give their life to the Lord. So don't be surprised when you turn around and on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning or a Sunday day You start seeing new faces that you have never seen here before. People you don't know and people you wonder, well, how do they know about this place? I'm going to tell you, the Lord is bringing people from the north, the south, the east, and the west, and we're going to see revival. Amen? So uh, we want to remember our announcements next weekend. It's not this weekend, but next weekend. Uh, We will be having our Harvest Time Crusade. Going to be a great time. Brother Buddy Puckett's going to be here Friday night. That's November the 17th at 7 p.m. And then Saturday night, November the 18th at 7 p.m., Brother James Chesser from Charleston, West Virginia. And Sunday, November the 19th, 11 a.m., Brother Michael Maupin is going to be with us. And then a dinner following. I was talking, uh, we had uh, one of the... uh, section leaders of the United Pentecostal Church uh, in service with us on Friday night and I was uh, laughing and talking to him because Brother Puckett is ALJC and I said uh, we have every person that's speaking in Harvest Time Crusade is ALJC and we were laughing about that because I got friends In ALJC, I got friends in UPC, I got friends in WPF. I have friends that are independent. But I know one thing, if you will show yourself friendly, you can have friends. Amen? Let's also remember our Christmas program is coming up Sunday, December the 10th at 6 p.m., And uh, we'll round out the year with our New Year's Eve celebration Which is going to be Sunday, December 31st That will be from 9 p.m. to after midnight We always have a great time We gather together and we sing and we praise and we testify And then uh, about midnight we start counting down And then we start shouting and praising the Lord past midnight so that we can let the Lord know we're glad He brought us through this past year and going to see us in the new year. Amen. This Friday, that'll be just a couple of days away, we're going to have Friendsgiving and it's going to be from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. right here at CAC and that is grade 7th through 12th. So keep that in mind. And if you know some kids that want to be a part of something good, have them come out. Uh, They don't have to be a member of this church or a child of a member of this church. Uh, If you see somebody that's interested in coming, make sure they're here this Friday, and that will be from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., 7th grade to 12th grade. And going to have some fellowship, going to have some food, going to have some games, and going to have a good message. So uh, drop your kids off and let's see what the Lord's going to do on Friday night. Amen. With all that said and done, could we lift our hands and could we just ask the Lord to move here tonight? Lord we come before your presence and we thank you for your blessings Lord that you have bestowed upon us. I pray Lord that you would move in a mighty miraculous way for each and every one that is gathered here. Some may be sick in body having pain and and things going on in their life. Some are struggling with situations and circumstances but Lord I know that you hold everything in your hand. You're still on the throne. You still have all power. You're still able to move uh, Even when the world doesn't think you can, you still can. And Lord, I pray that you would bless the singers, musicians. I pray, Lord, that you would touch each and every one watching by way of webcast. I pray that you would just touch all of those on our prayer list. All of those that need a touch spiritually, physically, or mentally. Lord, I pray for our country. I pray that you would guide our leaders. That you would guide them, Lord, in in the way that they will do will and Lord we know that the time is near of your coming. Lord we want to be ready. We want to hear you say well done. So Lord help us to draw closer to you and to have our faith increased as we hear the word of the Lord and Lord I praise you because your word warns us of things that is coming upon this earth if we miss the rapture but Lord help us to make the rapture to get up in the first resurrection so that we can make heaven our home as we give you the praise in Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Let's give a
1: mighty hand clap unto the Lord as Brother DeBarge comes. Hallelujah, let's praise him right now for he's great and greatly to be praised. Oh yes, he's such a real God. I believe everyone in this room could attest to how real he truly is. We can attest to how many times he's shown up in our lives when we were undeserving. Whenever we didn't deserve for his kindness and his mercy, he has always been there. All right. Amen. That's the God that I want to talk about tonight. All right, The God of love. If you would, uh, join me as we flip to 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7. Uh, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7. Tonight I want to talk to you, as I just stated, about the God of love. The God that we serve is a powerful God. Amen. He is a merciful God that desires to see his house be filled. All right. He is a God that operates through love. He teaches us how to be good parents because he is a good father. All right. Amen. And whenever you get to 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7, it says, Beloved, let us love one another for the love or for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Join me as we go before the Lord that loves us. Would you join me right now? Lord, we come before you and we thank you for loving us. Lord, we understand what love is simply because you loved us first. Whenever we didn't deserve love, God, when we didn't know love, you you found us on the wayside. You picked us up, dusted us off, and you showed us what love is. We ask tonight, Lord, that we are servants of love, servants of kindness, and My servants name. of mercy. We ask that you would move in this place in Jesus' mighty name and the church said amen. amen. God bless you, you may be seated. So I begin to to read that short but powerful scripture. It reminds us exactly who our God is. It reminds us that we serve a God that loves. Whenever we begin to find ourselves in what this world would call depression, these spiritual battles that this world would love to medicate, instead, let's begin to look at the one that has never left us nor forsaken us. All right. Let's begin to look at the one that loves us. Whenever we have messed up because we're human, whenever we have sinned because we're human, whenever we have made mistakes and we've went down the wrong path, And he allows us to be pulled back to an altar of repentance, an altar of forgiveness. Let's be reminded of who our God is. Come on now, whatever they said, there's going to be a Savior born, and he's going to be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. They were talking about a coming A coming of the Lord, the one that's going to love the ones that make mistakes. The one that's going to use the ones that are broken from time to time. Come on now, you cannot look at your situation and say, he has given up on me. You cannot look at your situation and say, there's no hope for me. Because if you know who your God is, you know you have hope for tomorrow. When we wake up in the morning, we know we are loved. It is our choice to, to realize that and to acknowledge that or not. If you choose to go through this life and think that you are not loved, that is on you. All right. The fact that you're still drawing air into your lungs, the fact that you woke up this morning, the fact that you're not pushing up daisies. Jeez. Whenever I moved to this area, I heard that more times than, I, than, than I've ever heard in my entire life. Brother, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm not pushing up daisies. I woke up on the right side of the, of the ground this morning. You know, and, and I did hear that more times than I'd ever heard it, but I'm so glad that that's people's attitude because I woke up this morning. He started me on my way. He gave me the breath of life, and I'm not going to waste this day. I'm going to be a worshiper unto the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and the God that loves me. So if you would right now, would you help us worship the Lord today? We are praise leaders, but we're not the only ones here to praise. I sure hope that's the case. I hope that we're not the only ones that showed up here tonight to give the Lord some praise. So if you're here to join us, come to this altar and begin to worship the Lord with our spirit Hallelujah. and us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
0: Hallelujah.
2: I am blessed. I am blessed, every day that I live here I am blessed, and when I wake up in the morning until I lay
0: the Lord. We want to uh, ask our ushers to come. We're going to take up tonight's offering. And in taking up tonight's offering, also we want to mention uh, mention the last 10 of those on our prayer list. And then uh, just by the raising of the hand, if you'd like to make known that you have a prayer list and a prayer and maybe a family member or a co-worker that you'd like the Lord to touch. Amen. The Lord sees all those hands. Uh, We want to remember uh, Sister Pam Bartley, Jaden Belcher, Danny Ratliff, Vezrin, Brian Stump had uh, knee surgery today, and we want to continue to remember him in prayer. I understand he's doing good and back home now. Um, Little Deacon's doing better. He's here tonight, and we want to continue to pray for him. Uh, Let's remember Chandra Justice, Kaylee Justice, Vicki Wolford, Debbie Ratliff. Debbie has COVID, and... Uh, so does Chandra but we want to pray that the Lord's just going to give them healing and yes. deliverance and and uh, I don't want to see covid on the rise again no. I want to see covid just squashed and if we can have faith I believe that that can happen, so let's uh, remember these. Let's remember Ed O'Killian in prayer, and also my oldest granddaughter, Elizabeth Gross. Uh, She is uh, under the weather and not feeling well, and uh, asked her grand to go get her some stuff to to help make her uh, sickness a little easier. And uh, we just love Elizabeth, and this church loves Elizabeth, and we just want uh, the Lord to move in a mighty way for her and and just remind her of where her help comes from. Amen. So uh, with your hands raised, could we go to the Lord in prayer and pray not only for these requests but to pray also for the offering. Lord, we come before your presence and we thank you, Lord, for everything you have done. You are our healer, our help, and our hope. You're the supplier of every need. Lord, we know that you give good gifts to your children. I pray, Lord, that you would move in a mighty way. That each and every one that is gathered here tonight that raised their hand would have a touch in their life, a touch for their family. Whatever the circumstance is that they would find, that coming to you, giving their life to you was the greatest thing they've ever done done and Lord I pray that you would move for all of those on the prayer list that you would just touch each and every one from the east to the west north and south Lord they need you I pray also Lord that you would move in a mighty way for each and every one that has to give tonight bless the offering Lord that it might meet the needs of the ministry as we give you the praise in Jesus mighty name amen amen let's give the Lord a mighty hand clap
2: Lately, all I've got is leaving all on my mind. It seems that's all I think about. Sure.
0: you but I got leaving on my mind. Amen. This world is not getting better. Every day it's getting worse. So much fighting and confusion going on down here on earth but I don't let it bother me because I'm not here to stay. Look at somebody and say I'm not here to stay. stay. I know my Lord is coming soon and I'll be called away. Amen. Amen. There's a song that me and my wife uh, sing at times and And it's just a song that just talks about uh, how that uh, he's coming soon. And uh, realizing that he's coming soon, uh, don't give up. The Lord is coming. We don't know the hour nor the day. Creation moans, the earth she groans. Men's hearts, they fail with fear. But the Spirit speaks unto the church, wake up. Look at somebody and say, wake up. up. That time is near. Amen. I'm glad to know that the coming of the Lord is near, and I want to be prepared for that moment. Amen. That moment. Oh, hallelujah. What a day that will be. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles today, I want you to, and as we uh, dismiss, I guess our youth departments done went into their respective Uh, places. So uh, we're going to let them make their way. Numbers chapter 27. Numbers chapter 27 verse uh, number 12. I want to begin reading verse number 12. Numbers 27 and verse number 12. It begins to read, and the Lord said unto Moses, get thee up into this mount. Abiram and see the land which I have given unto the children of Israel. And when thou hast seen it, everybody say, when you've seen it. You see it, when you have seen it, thou also shalt be gathered unto thy people as Aaron thy brother was gathered. You're going to see it, but you're not going to obtain it. What a What a disappointment that must have been to know what you could have seen and could have done. And I want to kind of back up to that in just a moment. But things that could have happened that didn't happen. And uh, it begins to say, For ye rebelled against my commandment in the desert of Zin, in the strife of the congregation, to sanctify me at the water before their eyes, that is the water of Meribah, in Kadesh, in the wilderness of Zin. And Moses spake unto the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation, which may go out before them, and which may go in before them, and which may lead them out, and which may bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord be not as sheep which have no shepherd. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee Joshua the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay thy hand upon him, and set him before Eleazar the priest, and before the, all the congregation, and give him a charge in their sight. And thou shalt put some of thine, notice what it says, thou shalt put some of thine honor upon him. wonder why it didn't say all your honor all of your just some of it, just some of your honor upon him, that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. And he shall stand before Eleazar the priest, who shall ask counsel for him after the judgment of Urim before the Lord. At his word shall they go out, and at his word they shall come in, both he and all the children of Israel with him, even all the congregation. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and he took Joshua and set him before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation, and he laid his hands upon him and gave him a charge as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses. And I want to stop right there because I want us to study tonight in our starting points for revival. This is lesson number 24 and study number 24, but I want to talk to you about God's call to new leadership God's call to new levels of leadership and that's important because every leader needs to know you're always preparing for your exit you're always preparing the congregation for the change for the better for there to be someone ready to step up into the leadership role of the church. And that's why I think that sometimes we look and we see that it said that you shall lay upon him some of your honor, some of thine honor, is because there still needs to be respect for Moses' leadership. And that, that is why it's important that leaders coming up under leadership is submissive, and willing to uh, yield to everything that is is being taught them of how to lead and how to uh, take care of the flock because somebody's got to rise up in these days to be leaders, not just people in positions, but leaders. And that's what we want to talk about, God's call to new levels of leadership. Let's pray. Lord, we come before your presence. We thank you. We thank you for the word. We thank you, Lord, that you have always had a ministry that has always looked for the next generation, the next leader to rise up, the next person who is dedicated to your word and who is faithful and who is going to show the sacrifice that it takes to lead your people. Lord, I pray that you would move in a mighty way as we study your word, that we would all receive something here today. As we give you the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand. And you may be seated. God has a principle for advancement. A lot of times people think that um, just because there is an opening or a vacancy that that is their call to feel, But actually, it is not their call to feel. It's God's call first and foremost. But we find that when there's a vacancy, if a person has not proven themselves, they cannot help themselves or the congregation. That's why we must raise up leaders that are willing to submit under leadership. You find that under Moses is Joshua. You find to Elijah, there's an Elisha. You find to Paul, there's a Timothy. So you find that all of these examples in the Word of God let us know that leadership is of the most important role in the church, if you will, and it has to be filled by people who understand what leadership is understand what sacrifice is how many knows that it is a sacrifice to be a leader that means that there's things that you have to set aside oh there's been vacations i would have liked to have taken there was things i would have liked to have done but you know what leadership has to make some sacrifice and so we understand that if we're not willing to make the sacrifices then we will not be in God's, um, I guess, list of upcoming leaders. This leader is not only for the church, but it is in any capacity, whether it's a Sunday school teacher, a youth leader, or any deacon or any, any other position in the church, this applies to it all. We find that there must be a Joshua waiting And serving and being faithful. Because when the time comes to be called upon, they have to be ready. Uh, You can't put a novice in. You can't put somebody who thought more of of, uh, family or themselves than they did of serving God. You can't put them in positions because actually they will just find a way to destroy what God has started. We find something interesting. God's principle for advancement. What does it really take to be promoted in the kingdom of God? What does it really take for someone to go from the ordinary to the extraordinary? What does it really take for somebody to rise up and to fill in the vacancies with faithfulness? rather than just a position or title. God's principle for advancement is if we will be faithful. Everybody say faithful. Faithful. You don't get a position and then become faithful. You have to prove yourself faithful before you get a position. I've heard people say this through the years, and I just kind of laugh and look at them. They say, oh, well, now, when I get a position, I'll start coming to church more. No, you ain't going to get no position. Uh, I've heard people say, well, when I get, you know, a, a position or a leadership role, then I will start being more faithful to the house of God, or more I'll pray more, or I will do more. No, you better do more to prove that you're faithful. You see, on Wednesday night, somebody told me one time, they said, here's how you tell uh, your congregation. Uh, Your congregation, Sunday morning, is for people who, uh, who want to attend Sunday school. Sunday night is for people who like to shout and praise the Lord. But Wednesday are for people who love the Lord. Amen. And that's, that's about the truth of it. Because Wednesday ought to be just as important to you as Sunday morning and Sunday night. I know I'm preaching to the choir. So all of you can say amen in all this. Amen. You can say, yeah, that's right, brother. That's why I'm here. I'm faithful. That's why I'm here. I want to go to heaven. That's why I'm here. I want God to use me. I want God to do something with my life. So if we will be faithful, God will advance us in his time. Now, uh, you know, I can look around and I'd say, well, I think this one would be a good person in that job, and this would be a good person in that job. But when I start thinking, I mess up. We have to listen to the Lord. That's why uh, the buddy, good old buddy system, it don't work in leadership roles. You know, you can't say, well, now I'm good friends with, with uh, you know, uh, uh, somebody and so I'm going to just put them in this position. No, that, that might work in the work world and that might work in the world, but it don't work in the church. You understand that faithfulness, everybody say faithfulness. Faithfulness, faithfulness is what it takes for us to be used of the Lord and to be advanced. If you want to be a Sunday school teacher be faithful. If you want to be a musician, be faithful. If you want to be a singer, if you want to be a leader, if you want to be a pastor, if you want to be an assistant, be faithful. Faithful. God did not pick uh, Joshua because he was just a tag along. You know, Joshua wasn't there bragging on Moses. Oh, Moses is the best thing since sliced bread. Moses is this. Moses is that. No, he showed faithfulness. I'll be with you, Moses. When you read about Moses and you start looking at who's hanging out with him, who's going places with Moses, who's standing with Moses when everybody else is murmuring and complaining, you see, that's how you can really tell if somebody's going to be a leader. They're not hanging out with the murmurers And the complainers are hanging out with leadership. Saying, what are we going to do? We're going to pray about this. What are we going to do? We're going to pray about it. What are we going to do? We're going to pray about it. Amen? Amen. We're not going to get wrapped up in all the murmuring and complaining. Because it would be so easy just to get all wrapped up in the murmuring and complaining. Because you look at all the people that Moses had led out of Egypt. All the people that was with them. And then when it things the least little thing didn't go right, they began to murmur and complain. If they was thirsty, ah, oh, they brought us out here to die of thirst. We shouldn't listen to Moses. I've had people actually tell me that. I, they, they asked me a question, and I said, "Well, this is what the Lord has revealed to me, and I'm going to tell it to you." And I gave them the answer. And, and then from that day on, every time that something went wrong in their life, I shouldn't have listened to you, Pastor. I should have went ahead and done what I wanted to do. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you see, Moses was not one that gave up when the going got tough. I know preachers that have quit preaching when the going got tough. I've seen pastors resign their church because they fall down into single-digit numbers. What's the problem with people like that? They're not leaders. Leaders don't look and say, well, if I can preach to a hundred, I'll be a preacher. You better preach to the five just like you do the five hundred. Now, I'm going to tell you some things, and this ain't bragging. I'm just telling you, this is why the Lord allowed me to be pastor of this church. I was asked to come preach a revival. I never was one to ask, and I've had people ask me this, how many you got coming? I never asked that question. And people that ask me that, when I ask them to come, I say, never mind. And they say, what's wrong? I say, no. You ask the wrong question. It don't matter. Does it matter if we have five, five hundred, or a thousand? It don't matter. It don't matter. So a lot of the big name preachers, they won't come unless there is a huge crowd to preach to. But you know, um, I was thinking about uh, the ministry, my life of ministry. Uh, there was a person come and asked me, they said, will you come preach a revival for me? And I said, sure. And um, they uh, set the time and the date, and I went to preach the revival. And we showed up, and it was me and my wife and my daughter, the pastor and his wife, and I think his daughter. And then they might have been two or three more. That's all it takes, two or three Now, did I look and say, well, praise God, I have drove for 40 minutes or 45. And uh, here's this small crowd. What's the use of me showing up preaching? Because God wanted me to know it's not the number. It's the souls. Every person is a soul. If you're not in it for souls, then you definitely do not need to be in leadership. Whether it's Sunday school, whether it's pastoring, whether it's deacons, whatever it is. If you're not wanting to see people saved, then you don't need to be in that position. But that was back many, many years ago. The first revival I ever preached, well, it it was a pretty good-sized church. And, uh, you know, you kind of get used to things like that. That's just like, uh, you know, we get used to people here. The size of congregation. And then I go and preach somebody and they don't have that many. But you know what? I still preach just as hard as I ever did. You can go watch the videos. (laughs) And you can find out I'll preach just as hard. And it's not a repetitive message. I don't look and say, well, you know, this is just a small crowd. Let Let me repeat a message I preached before. I tell, I tell people all the time, at least change the title. <laughs> you know, I've heard people say, well, praise God, I'm going to preach Jesus is the way. And then they'll go somewhere else and they'll say, praise God, I feel led the Lord to preach Jesus is the way. Why not say he's the way, the truth, and the life? And at least change the title. But I thought about all the times in ministry I preached a dedication service in Crofton, Kentucky to over 500 people. So I have preached to 5, 10, and i preached to 500. I've learned something through ministry. It's not the number that should excite you and make you study and prepare for a message. I've had people actually stand up in this pulpit that I had helped get lined out in their life and they say, well, I'll preach to the 10 that'll be there. When I ask them, would you like to preach Sunday? I'll preach to the 10 that'll be there. I wanted to just say, forget about it. If I hadn't been trying to help mold that person into a leader, I would have but I was trying my best to get them on the right track. But you see, it doesn't do us any good to be ambitious of leadership if we're not willing to count the cost. Because the cost is tremendous. It will cost you um, your time. It will cost you uh, family time. It'll cost you uh, fun time. You know, uh, when I first started preaching, me and my wife was young. Now we're old. We've never seen the righteous forsaken nor your seed begging bread. Amen. Amen. But. We were young. There was vacations we would have liked to went on and places we'd like to went and do and things we would have liked to done, but you know what? We never missed church to do it. Not one time. We'd go on vacation and we'd be back by weekend. She went to college, never missed a service. The only time she missed a service, I think, it was just a few Wednesday nights because Moorhead didn't uh, have those classes on an off night. And she had to have it to graduate. You see, sometimes we want to be, and, and, and that's the term that I want to coin tonight, wannabes. Wannabes are people who want to be, but they're not willing to sacrifice God doesn't call the wannabes he calls the sacrificial those that are dedicated those that love him with all their heart those that are faithful you know that Matthew chapter 25 and verse number 23 says his Lord said unto him well done good and Faithful We got to be faithful Whatever we do When I first got in church They asked me would I drive the church van Did they give me the new one No They gave me Brother Larry you probably remember That old old blue van The old blue van where you had to roll down the windows You didn't even have buttons to push No power steering I had to go up hollows. I had to go off road. I had to do a lot of stuff. But you know what? I drove it right on. I drove it right on. And you know what? The Lord honored that. Now I'm not here to toot my own horn because I'm going to tell you, this is what it takes if you want to be used of the Lord. It's not just a me thing because it's not just about what I did. The generation before me did that. The leaders before me did that. And the leaders before them did that. And the leaders before them. And we go all the way back to Moses. And we find the leaders was willing to sacrifice and be faithful. He said, you've been good and faithful. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. He said, I will make you ruler Over many things. Now I believe that the result of this place being here today. Started when I decided to drive an old blue beat up rustin down van. That's right. And I believe that what happens here today and what you enjoy and and just a tremendous building to worship the Lord in is because you learned to be faithful and sacrificial in your giving. And because you was willing to sacrifice time and money and, and, and things that you want to do, because I'm sure there's still things that need to be done at my house that I let go when we was working here still needs done but you know what if we get our own houses the way we want them and let the house of God go to waste we are we are no good to the kingdom of God i have always said this the house of God should be the best place you come to it should be the best I think that as long as the Lord blesses you, are to have what you can afford and what you can have and have, have everything to the best of the ability because I think that's the way God wanted it. I'm sure there was probably a lot of people probably murmured and complained about the tabernacle. You mean i got to give up my stuff so they can make them a golden table of showbread? A golden candlestick, a golden—it's just an old wilderness. Why can't we just stand out in in the in the weather and just worship the Lord? I'm sure some people murmured. I'm sure some people, as time went on and Solomon began to build his temple, when the Queen of Sheba came, oh, she goes, "Woo wee, it's a mighty fine place." You've you got some servants, you got some men, a half has not been told. I'm sure there was people looking, said, and said, why does, why does Solomon think he's got to have bigger and better? Because how many knows the temple was bigger and better than the tabernacle? That's right. It was. That it was carried out and conducted was on a larger scale. But we find out that it was because they was given honor unto the Lord. Moses didn't take credit for the tabernacle even though many people refer to the tabernacle as Moses' tabernacle. It wasn't Moses's. It was a tabernacle built for the Lord. Solomon's temple, even though it's got Solomon's temple, it was a t- if somebody tried to write my name on it, I'd take it off. Because this is a place for the Lord. Amen? This is a place for the Lord. So he said, you've been good, you've been faithful, and you've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. I believe that you are a product of that generation because of their sacrifice. Mamas and grandpa, we was there and... We began to talk to some of the men there and and they'd say, my grandma took me to church when I was a little boy. You see, the grandma sowed some seed in that child because of this, because of wherever God's got to put people. Some people say, I don't want to be in the valley. Well, if the valley makes you serve the Lord... I don't want to be uh, climbing up that rough side of the mountain. Easy. We want it easy. We want to walk into somebody else's, uh, uh, you know, work and say I don't have to do anything now. You know, uh, some people want to be in a choir that is already established so they don't have to work at singing in tune or work at singing. Period. But I'm going to tell you something. The day that we get so relaxed in music is the day you'll start seeing musicians scatter. The day we get so thinking that, well, praise God, I'm John Wednesday. And if you're singing to the crowd, well, you might as well sit down now. If you're singing to be bragged on, you might as well sit down now. But if you're singing praise unto the God we serve, you are to lift up that name. Sing. And make a joyful noise unto the Lord. In this lesson, we're going to explore the life of Joshua. Joshua, uh, Joshua is uh, one that had key components, if you will, to developing a life into the full. Now, here's a good answer. You're here for God's purpose. He's got a purpose for you. You say, I don't know what my purpose is. Purpose. Nobody that's unfaithful, nobody that doesn't pray, nobody that just nonchalantly comes and shows up for church, God ain't going to use you in a mighty way until you start being faithful and you start submitting and you start praying more and you start reading the Word more and you say, I need to, I need to line up a little bit more on those things go. And until you can do that, God will never use you in mighty ways. I heard a preacher say one time, I like to put people in positions and hopefully it'll cause them to want to keep serving the Lord. You just destroyed. They are going to make havoc of everything. Why do you think the Bible says preachers, don't be a novice. That means don't be a young, starting out, pastoring and things. That say, well, it's not for a novice. You know, I don't want... The first time I show up at the surgeon's office. And, and I look at him and I say, Have you ever operated on anybody's back? No, I ain't never even seen the inside of anybody's back. So you're going to be the first. People that have not paid the price. Sacrificed, studied, prepared themselves. I believe this. I believe that that... Every leader we see in the Bible, the person, pastor, in them. Right? You'll see a lot of the pastor in them. You, maybe it's a gesture. Maybe it's a demeanor. Maybe it's something the way they say or express themselves. But you'll see a lot of the pastor. Because he followed Elijah, Elijah so closely that he was watching him because just in case... Elijah was taken out of here. He wanted a double portion of Elijah's spirit. He wanted to receive that mantle and put it on and see the same thing happen for him that happened for Elijah. And that's why I believe that Elisha maybe even slept with one eye open. Because i got to make sure I watch what Elijah does. If he does it this way, I'm doing it this way. If he sacrifices this, I'm sacrificing that. If he doesn't do this, I'm... Elijah was taken away because Elijah said, you asked for a hard thing. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Elijah wasn't being arrogant. People, Some people look at that as arrogant. They say, well, Elijah must have thought he is all that in a bag of chips. No Elijah knew what. Says, "Boy, I wish I could preach like Lee Stone King." I wish I could preach like Anthony Mangan. I wish I could preach like Aaron Bounds. Are you willing to sacrifice like they did? Are you willing to give up what they've given up? I heard, I've heard stories about all of those men. How that sometimes growing up, they, uh, their friends would be out playing. And they'd be playing basketball or going hunting or doing something. And they were in there reading their Bible. Well, the Lord places us under leaders. So we will reach our full potential. Because there is coming a day if the Lord doesn't come back that I will step aside into a bishop role and somebody else is going to be your active pastor. Which means they do the hospital visits and the home visits and all the things that pastors do. So there's coming that day. Everybody say, there's coming a day. There's coming that day. I don't know when it'll be. Somebody asked me, what are you going to do Where you see yourself five years from now? I don't know. I thought five years ago I'd see myself retired. Somebody asked me about ten years ago, said, where you see yourself in five years? I said, oh, probably in a bishop role, just overseer the church, make sure that the church still goes on like it should, but not running the day-to-day things. Well, here ten years later, why? Because God hasn't given a release. I talk to my wife all the time about retirement. I talk to her about, you know, there's there's coming a day when we're going to turn the church over to somebody and 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 they they will have to, you know, make sure every light bulb's changed. <laughs> They'll have to check, make sure filters are changed and all sorts of other stuff. And, and they'll be turned over. There's coming a day. I don't know when that day is. But when the Lord looks at me and says, Richard, today's the day. I'm going to be like Elijah with Elisha. I'm going to drop the mantle to the next person. That's right. A pastor never does a congregation good by thinking they can pastor till they're 150 years old. I'm going to tell you, there's some pastors in my eyes that should have retired a long time ago and turned the church over to someone capable, not just younger. I heard of a a pastor that was old and he turned his church over to somebody that was old. And and he wasn't as old as the pastor, but he was still old. And uh, you know, people question, well, why did he do that? Why didn't he get somebody young? Because you need the faithful. You need the faithful. You don't need somebody just because they're young. I had I had a, a a story told one time of this person that is a pastor, and this young, fifteen, sixteen-year-old boy was wanting to preach, and it was the rage of the land. Everybody needs a 16-year-old preacher. Well, that preacher didn't turn out. In fact, if I was tell you what he's doing right now, it would shock you. It would shock you. But I won't tell you what he's doing right now. The first essential step toward a person's leadership development is to be willing to submit to the authority of another. I have to still submit to authority. That's why I'm licensed with United Pentecostal Church. I'm submitting to their authority. Also, before I licensed with them, I had two great men of God in my life that I submitted to. One of them was Brother Frank Hall. The other was Bobby Alvey. Those two men, I submitted to them. And I told them, I submit to you. I call you my pastor. And I submit to you. Because I want to be held accountable for my actions. I had somebody stand up in my face one time and literally say, you're not accountable to anybody. And I said, let me tell you something, mister. I'm accountable to more people than you realize. I said, you don't know what you're even talking about. You see, pastoring ain't all about smiling and everybody happy on Sunday and everybody... Praising on Wednesday, sometimes you get stuff thrown up in your face. Sometimes you get told off. Sometimes you can go to Lowe's and have somebody jump on you. (laughs) But you know what? It's going to be worth it all. It's going to be worth it all. It's going to be worth it all, some beautiful, glorious day. Every mile, every trial, every tear, it's going to be worth it all. I ask you this, if you can't take rebuke, you'll never be a leader. Because somebody ain't going to like you. Oh, praise God, if I was in charge... I was king of the forest <laughs> I could have people eating out of my hand they would love me they'd sing that song i'm gonna make you love me <laughs> You gotta be thick skinned. Because some people are gonna treat you like dirt. Let me back up. Some people's gonna treat your wife like dirt. Some people's gonna treat your child like dirt. That's right. But you know what? You keep preaching. You keep preaching. I love the Lord. Don't you love the Lord? I I love the Lord. We will discover what did God see in Joshua, how God shaped Joshua, and how God's timing affected his life. Once we identify these characteristics, it will be our responsibility to apply them to our own lives. Number one, the Lord places us under leaders. I say this all the time. I hear it all the time. People, other preachers tell me this all the time. People want a preacher, but not a pastor. You know why? Because preachers, oh, preach me happy. Preach something that will excite me. Preach to me. But don't you tell me what to do. Don't you tell my child what to do. Don't you tell my wife how to dress. Don't you tell. Right? People want a preacher. As long as I guarantee if I took 30 days and all I did was ever preach, just preach, no pastoring. Somebody comes to me, Pastor, what do I need to do about this? I'm preaching today. I'm not pastoring right now. 30 days of no pastor. I guarantee everybody would be excited and say, man. I tell you what, he ain't talked about tithing the first time. He ain't talked about uh, forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, exhorting one one another so much the more as you see the day approach. He ain't mentioned that one time. He ain't looked at us and said we need to move a little closer. He ain't done none of that. Oh, he's a preacher. Because most people want a preacher... Instead of a pastor. Because a pastor does have to correct people. The pastor has to make decisions for the whole church. A lot of times people don't understand why a pastor does what he does. It's easy to sit on the couch on Monday morning and analyze what happened on Sunday. They call it Monday morning quarterbacking. They say, oh, well, if that guy hadn't dropped that pass, they would have won by seven. If that guy hadn't got sacked. And and they, they talk about all the what ifs. They don't really understand what it's like to be out on the field. So sometimes people take that attitude toward the pastor. I don't know why the pastor set that person down. They're a good person. Are they a good person? You might just see the smile. Right? Oh, people don't want to hear it. This is pastoring right here. You think that the pastor just sits home and says, You know what would be great? Wife, I'm going to run this by you. You think it's would be great if we just change the order of the service? No. When you think like that, you think I am nothing more than another human being doing what I want to do. you got to learn, I listen to God. I listen to God. The specifics of how God develops individuals will vary. But in every case, the common thread of submission, learning, and testing are always present. And if Moses hadn't listened to his father-in-law, they probably wouldn't have been a Moses. Read your Bible. It's a fascinating book. Moses took on so much on his own that his father-in-law said, you're going to burn out big time here. This is paraphrasing. You're going to burn out big time because you've you've taken too much on yourself. You need to start letting others make little judgments. And then when it comes to the big things, Let them bring it to you that they can't deal with. That's why I'm getting ready to pass some things off to some folks. Get ready. I'm getting ready to pass some things off to folks. One of the things is making sure everybody meets the responsibility of what we expect on the platform. And then if it blows up and the church wants to divide, then I'll step in and say, oh, what's going on here? You know that that's that's really what needs to happen. We need to lighten the load. Share responsibility. Share the load. Help carry the load. That's why I tell you all the time. Some of y'all, when you see some kid back there at the water fountain throwing water all over the place, turning it on, going, ha, 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 ha. "Go back and say stop." I ain't getting involved. Their mommy and daddy be mad at me, man. I ain't getting involved. So pastor has to go back there. Say, listen, young man, we don't do that here. Come here. Let me take you to your mommy and daddy. Did you see me get a kid the other day by the hand and lead them away? Somebody else should have done that. Right? Right? Uh, I'm gonna let pastor do it, cause pastor's pastor. And if they get mad, they just get mad at him. They ain't gonna get mad at me. Well, I tell you what, you get mad at me for pastoring, you ain't in the will of God. Amen. If you get mad at me for pastoring, I know those li- those those claps got a little bit lighter. <laughs> but you see, I know you love me. Because if you're going to heaven, you have to. (laughs) Say, your congregation love you? I said, every one of them. They asked me, do they love what you do? I might be a little different. Let's look at this. Jesse and Saul helped to develop David. Everybody has somebody that helps them be what they are. We usually call them our dads. Men, right? We say, man, my daddy taught me this. My daddy taught me that. I refer to my dad a lot of times. He taught me how to be a carpenter, how to be an electrician, how to uh, work, how to lay block, how to lay brick. I can do a little bit of everything. I can play a little bit of piano. I can play a little bit of drums. I can play a little bit of organ. I play a little bit of guitar. Am I proficient? No. But you know what? There's been times I've been called upon to do it and did I look and say, Hey, ain't my job. Or turn it down so low that it sounds like this. Come on, everybody sing now. I'm meddling now. Eli trained Samuel. Notice all these people had to sit under somebody. Elijah developed Elisha. Paul disciplined Timothy. And Jesus taught his disciples. Even in the life of Jesus, we see this principle of submission to appropriate authority. Then in verse... uh, Chapter 2, verse number 51 of Luke chapter 2. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. Even Jesus shows obedience. He went down unto them, came to Nazareth, was subject unto them. But his mother, talking about Mary, kept all these sayings in her heart. Jesus was even obedient. Obedient all the way to the cross, right? Right? Oh, I'm so thankful he was obedient. I'm so thankful he was obedient. God uses this plan, this uh, layout of submitting to authorities in our life to unfold his purpose in our lives. The Lord saw Joshua's potential for leadership. You can see potential. But here's what I want us to understand. What happens if we don't follow God? through with that potential think of what could have been I was just thinking and I know this is sore for some people but to go back five seven years and I thought if if people hadn't got silly and that's what it was think what could be happening right now but because people got in self Did we want to give up? Nope. Still showed up every service. Still preached every message. You know why? Because God didn't call leaders to give up when the going gets tough. When the battle gets a-raging, you don't just cut a trail and say, I ain't fighting no more. No, you stand and fight. Fight the good fight of faith. here's, Here's something we need to... Consider that not only did the Lord see Joshua's potential for leadership, the Lord has a vital role in every person in his kingdom. Every part of the body of Christ, which means every person, has something to add to the whole. How many knows your car has many parts? And how many knows that all parts are necessary? Now, I used to put model cars together. Back in the day, when you got a Christmas gift, you didn't get a bicycle, four-wheeler. You got a model car and a big old peppermint stick about that long, about that round, and you bust it with a hammer and eat it. That's what you got. That's why now I buy toys because I just can't get enough because I didn't have none growing up. So uh, anyway, that's another story. But thinking about the model car, I don't know if I ever put a model together that I used every piece. I have these parts left over. And I just put them back in the box, put the box under the bed, and it looks good. Oh, look at this model car. Oh, that's a fine job you've done there. Where's the steering wheel? I didn't think we need that. Ain't nobody gonna drive this. But every person, you're not a spare part. Well, I wanna get serious. You're not a spare part. You're not just a spare little piece of plastic that is insignificant that somebody's gonna put in a box and shove under the bed. You're here for a reason, you're here for a purpose. God called you out of sin into His marvelous light, out of darkness into His marvelous light because you have something to contribute to the family of God and to the work of God. So that's why you're here. The Lord saw Joshua's gift. I want you to consider the question, why does God place individuals at different levels of responsibility? Why does he give a lot of responsibility to some and none to others? Or very little? What does God see in one that may be absent from another? Are they better leaders than me? Absolutely. I'll be the first to tell you, I'm not the greatest preacher in the world. I'm not the greatest pastor in the world. But I will tell you this, I will do my best every time. I will do my best every time. Now, what did he see in Joshua that distinguished him from among the masses of young men who, who came out of Egypt? A man's gift, Proverbs eighteen sixteen. a man's gift maketh room for him and bringeth him before great men. Your gift will make room. I had a person ask me, just the other day, they said, Pastor, this person is coming to our church now. And man, they, they, they got all of this ability to sing and, and, and lead and all of this. And I said, and you better not leave them on a pew. Right? What good it would do if Brother Keith came to church here and I said, No, I'm gonna play a keyboard. <laughs> oh, y'all be looking like he done lost his love of mine. <laughs> Cause we all know Brother Keith is professional and can do any type of genre and all of that and and and, and I don't know anybody that can hold him a light. I can hold him a light be a flashlight. But what good would it do? I remember the first time him and Sister Pam came to this church. They sat right over here about, about three, four seats back. I, I knew of them because I went to school with Brother Keith. He was, he was younger than me, but I went to school at Elkhorn. And uh, so I walked up before service. I shook his hand. He, he won't care for me telling this. I shook his hand. And shook Sister Pam's hand. I said, you're Brother Keith, ain't you? He said, yeah. I said, you play piano and organ, don't you? Yeah. I said, come on up on the platform. First time I saw him, come on up on the platform. He said, no, 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 no. I don't want to take anybody's job. I said, you ain't. (laughs) Trust me, you ain't. (laughs) But I said, you think I'm going to let you sit on this pew? No. A man's gift, that's just like leaders. You know, when when you see somebody leading and they can bring people to church and they can get people involved. I used to say this all the time about my boss. I had a boss named Eddie Croft. He was was Brother Booney's uncle. Best boss, I know I had several bosses, and there's probably some watching tonight. I love all of you. Best boss I ever had. He would make you work and make you like it. Make you work hard, and you felt like you hadn't done nothing. Well, that's a leader. A leader is somebody that can get people to follow and do things and work hard and, and witness and go out and get people to come to church, build up Sunday school, build up the youth service, build up church attendance. <laughs> That's what leaders try to do. Because if you leave it to the leader the leader is only one person and he can only do so much so once he reaches his potential that's plateaued. That's the end. Right? That's right. If if, if I could say I can win 15 people you know okay once I win those 15 it's over. Can't get no more. But you see if we all invite somebody if we all bring somebody. If we all try our best to do something for the kingdom. You see, this is the way leaders are trained and birthed. This is the way leaders are brought up. You see, the Lord saw Joshua's gift. A man's gift makes room for him. You don't have to figure out if somebody's a leader. It shows. Do you think I have to look at Gracie and say, Gracie, can you sing? her gift made room for her? Right? That's right. You think that I can look at, at somebody else in this congregation and say, you know, do I think you're a, 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 a youth leader or a Sunday school teacher? Your, your gift makes room. It shows itself. It presents itself. And it starts with dedication. Dedication, you know, you can have all talent in the world, but if you ain't dedicated, you're of no worth. The Lord decides when to advance us. Remember this, the Lord saw Joshua's gift. Here's what the Lord said in the New Living Translation. It says, Those on him, present him to Eleazar the priest before the whole community and publicly commission him to lead the people. Most spirit, if you will. He's got the spirit in him. He's been following you. If you stopped, he'd probably run into you. He's been watching your every move. He's been there with thick and thin. When people murmured, he was standing there with you, not with the people. When people... See, until we learn to stand with the pastor, we haven't seen the next leader. Right? You gotta learn to stand with the pastor. I know people said, I ain't gonna stand with man, I ain't gonna, and that's one of the examples. Moses and Joshua, God gave us an example, it's a great example of leadership transition. Transfer some of your authority to him. This is interesting because transfer some of it, not all of it, some of thine honor upon him. So this is how leaders are are molded. You give them them a little more, and you give them a little more. But if they fail miserably at it, you don't give them no more, right? This is the way the Lord works with leaders. The Lord decides when to advance us. The Lord makes appropriate decisions regarding the timing of a person's advancement in his kingdom. He knows exactly how long we need to prepare faithfully. I gave tithes, offerings, drove the church out, and there was probably 10 or 12 people in Wednesday night Bible study. And then it got to where there was 60 people. to the Lord if you want to be somebody then you got to submit to somebody if you want to do something great then you've got to submit to somebody who knows a little bit about it now notice this I watched I learned I watched and I learned and you know what after 16 years the Lord said now's the time I stepped out at Mouthcard, Kentucky. Now's the time. Stepped out, and the Lord began to bless over there. And then we built this place, and the Lord began to bless here. Now, I want to tell you, this is not bragging, so don't ever think I'm up here trying to, and maybe I should let somebody else taught this. And then you probably could have got it, but then they'd look over and say, take Pastor McKinney, for instance. No, don't take. Just preach the word. It'll stand all by itself. You see, we got to understand something. The Lord knows exactly how long it's going to take to prepare somebody for leadership. For me, it was 16 years. I must have been a slow learner. Somebody asked me one time, you know, you need to start a church. And that was back when I was in my 20s. And I said, no, no, I can't start no church. I've even had people in congregation that I was sitting in come up and say, if you ever start a church, I'll go with you. (laughs) I wish our young ministers was here so I could tell them, don't fall for that trick. (laughs) Don't fall for that trick. (laughs) But, But then... After 16 years, the Lord decided to promote me. Now, I don't know how long it's going to take for the next leader under me to have to be under me. But I know that when the time's right, the Lord's going to start showing this is the guy. That's right, this is the guy, not the gal. The guy. I'm going to help some of us. <laughs> I'm going to ease some of y'all mind. (laughs) If a person attempts to force the issue by becoming impatient or prideful, you will surely fail. If I'd tried back in my 20s to start a church, I'd been like a lot of people in their 20s that tried to start one. It's the best thing since sliced bread, and then you quit. I can I can drive you by places in Python where there used to be apostolic churches. I can drive you up Joe's Creek. Show you where there used to be an apostolic church. What happened? People give up. Wasn't their time. Maybe wasn't their calling altogether. But we need leaders, right? That's why this, this study, may, you may be thinking, well, he just talking about pastors and, and uh, you know, preachers. No, I'm talking about all of us. We're leaders in our home. We're leaders in the community. We're leaders at work. If you have a public job, you should be the leader on that job. Helping people with their problems and helping people with, with things they're going through. They, they, they could look at you as their go-to counselor. Because they're having little problems. But look at this. The Lord decides when to advance us. Moses groomed Joshua for 40 years. It's a long time, isn't it? For the role he was to fulfill. But the Lord alone decided when Joshua would assume that position. That's why I say it's not my decision, it's God's decision. The Lord said to Moses, Now the day of your death is near. Call Joshua and present yourself at the tent of meeting where I will commission him. So Moses and Joshua came and presented themselves at the tent of meeting. Deuteronomy 31 and 14. One of the greatest challenges for leaders in training is to learn the art of serving while waiting. The Lord will place us where he needs us. How many knows that he has arranged? In 1 Corinthians, I want to read this in coming to a close tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 18. But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body. And look, what's what's that last phrase? As it has pleased him. Not me. Not you, him. He placed you in the body where he wants you. That's why Sunday school teachers are where they're at. Deacons where he's at. Pastors where he's at. Youth leaders where they're at. Singers where they're at. You know, me and my wife understand that there's going to have to be another song leader rise up. And, and when that moment happens and that presents itself and proves itself, she's not going to have any problem saying, run with it. Just like I'm not going to have a problem when the next pastor shows his faithfulness and rises up and we all know this guy has anointing, this guy has, you know, the ability to, to, to say more than a, Sermon at a funeral? (laughs) Dearly beloved. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. One of the greatest challenges is learn to serve while we're waiting. The Lord will place us where he needs us. Every believer should serve in the kingdom at the king's pleasure. You know, uh, that's... Have you ever heard somebody being interviewed and they say I'm at the pleasure of the president I serve at the pleasure of the president anybody ever heard that well for those of you that ain't y'all ought to get some history lessons all of these people that the president looks and says you're going to be my secretary of state you're going to be my uh, you know in charge of the army and you're gonna be in charge of this and you're gonna be in charge of that all those cabinet members that he picks, all of those people serve at the pleasure of the president. They're not there with their own agenda. And a church that never serves with the pastor at the pleasure of the Lord is a church that will certainly fall and be destroyed. We want to serve at the pleasure of the king. Amen. Amen. Every believer, Joshua did not elbow Moses out of the battle row. He didn't go and get people. You can read about people in the Bible that went behind David's back and stood at the gate. How many remembers that? Stood at the gate and he says, oh, well, praise God, come over here. If I was king of the forest, I'd... Handle this this way. I would do it this way. When you get people working behind the pastor's back, that's from the pits of hell. And it will do nothing but cause division and destruction within the church. That's right. So that read your Bible, it's a fascinating book, The Story of David, and they they was trying to undermine David and, and trying to convince people that they make a better king and a better leader and all of this, and, and persuaded the people. One, the Bible says it this way: one the hearts of the people. That's why I tell all of our ministers: you do nothing on your own, you keep me in the loop. I don't want our young ministers counseling. Saints of God, that's the pastor's job. I don't want our young ministers saying, Oh, well, praise God, you know, I I didn't agree with what Brother McKinney did, but you know, if I was in charge, I'd do it. No, first time that happens and I hear of it, that person will never preach another message behind this pulpit. That's pastoring. You see, the church is not to be divided, it's to be united. That's right. You know, I told our young minister, I said, now we're going to teach these 52 lessons. And I said, if I'm not the teacher that night, you're going to teach, but you're going to follow the format and teach the lessons. And they're doing it. And they're doing well at it. They're doing a very good job at it. And that's what it takes to be unified. Because it would be so easy for somebody to say, well, praise God, I don't feel like preaching about the starting points of revival. I want to preach what I want to preach. Well, it's, it's not your decision. <laughs> I'm trying to help you learn how to take a format that maybe you're not used to, maybe you, you, you would uncomfortable a little bit with. But you know what? When you start following it, the Lord begins to open up. I've watched the Lord use our young ministers. How many is glad we got some young ministers in the church? Amen. I've watched the Lord use our young ministers in ways that it was just amazing to watch how that they follow through and bring stuff out. Stuff that will help us. Stuff that will encourage us. I get encouraged by them. Sometimes when I'm sitting there looking, I'm not not thinking bad stuff. I'm, I'm in amazement. Sometimes when I sit there and just stare at them, I'm like, wow. They come to this church. They sit under my ministry. Right? So I want to close with this. The characteristics of Joshua made him chosen. He was faithful. The next thing Joshua was, he was trustworthy. If you can't trust the pastor with your soul, your money, your family... If they have proven themselves untrustworthy, you know, you can't trust that person. Now, I've met some preachers I didn't trust. You no know one that's trying to, I better not say it, but I met somebody lately <laughs> in your life. Are you glad for that? Are you happy about that? You might say, well, I don't know. It's according to who it is. It don't matter who it is. If I don't trust them, you, you should find that. With them. Right? I know it gets a little lighter, but that's okay. You're learning. You're learning. That's why it's Bible study here, and you would love this church. Amen. You, you would love it more. I know you love it, but you'd love it more. We've got to be responsible. Responsible. If believers desire to be leaders, uh, believers desire to be leaders, God. Would choose, sometimes it's heavy. I, I like the sacrifice that Brother Dwayne and Sister Neil made tonight. They had every reason not to be here, to stop and eat at Olive Garden. They did. They had every reason to drive 55, not to be here tonight. But they said, this is what Brother Dwayne said to me, I wanted to be I appreciate that. Because that proves you're responsible. You're willing to sacrifice. You're willing to be faithful. That's what it takes to be a leader. That's why when he stands in this pulpit, think they should say, probably not. Do I say everything they agree with? Probably not. But you know what? We learn how to lead together. Amen. We're going to start having some ministerial meetings. And uh, we're going to we'll get back to those. Those were good. Come on. <laughs> God has a purpose for us, doesn't he? He has a purpose for all of us. He's developing you. Look at somebody sitting beside of you and say, He's developing you. Where are you going to be? I don't know. Your gift will prove what it is. If you're faithful, responsible, and all these things, whatever your gift is, and how many knows everybody has gifts. Gifts are special things that you have that nobody else has. Right? I got gifts that I guarantee nobody else in this church has. <laughs> I can balance things on my nose and chin. It's a gift. I'm going to use it to the best of my ability. But you know what? Our gifts will make room. We got to be responsible. We got to discover. Somebody look at somebody and say, Discover. Discover Discover God's purpose. We got to fulfill God's purpose. Being chosen and commissioned by Jesus Christ to serve in his kingdom is the highest honor any of us can have. Brother Dennis, it's the highest honor to be a child of God. Hallelujah. We could all say, oh, what an honor it would be to be associated with this family or that family or to have money beyond spending and all this. No, I'm just glad to be a child of the King. I'm glad to be a part of the family of God. I'm glad you are in the church. I'm glad you're here on Wednesday night. We're going to ask the singers to come and we're going to sing... Another song, and if Sister Tanil would come to the